Method and Madness is a true crime podcast and contains descriptions of violence. Listener discretion is advised. All witnesses, persons of interest, and or suspects are considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This is Method and Madness, Episode 73, Dear Dallas. I'm your host, Dawn Gandhi. Dear Dallas Police Department, in a moment, two women will share their experiences of working with you as they advocate for justice on their loved ones' behalf. This is, in their own words, what they expected, what disappointed them, and what they wished was done differently when their loved ones died in your jurisdiction. While this episode is focused on the Dallas Police Department, it could apply to any police department in the United States— Because the truth is, the feedback that today's guests have, many families across the country have the same concerns regarding law enforcement agencies. It is understood that being an investigator is nuanced, it's complicated, and it can be a thankless job. It's also understood that being an investigator means working with family members of victims of violent crime. These family members are often in the grieving process while also navigating how to get answers about an ongoing investigation. Dallas, you are already familiar with Robin Johnson, the aunt of Armani Morgan. Armani was 27 years old when he went missing in June of 2017. His partial remains were then discovered in a vacant lot on July 24, 2017. Not much by way of evidence was found some bones, and Armani's purse. After the remains were positively identified as Armani's through DNA, his family was informed that his cause of death was probably an overdose, despite no official cause or manner of death being determined. Armani's aunt Robin has provided investigators with information that indicates her nephew may have been murdered by some acquaintances. That information included alleged assaults targeted at Armani. Dallas, you are also familiar with Katrina Marshall, the niece of Katrina Mowry. Katrina Marshall is seeking answers on her Aunt Katrina's 1985 unsolved murder. You may recall that when Aunt Katrina, 24 years old, was found in the trunk of a car, naked and wrapped in a sheet, with a cloth belt around her neck, that Homicide Sergeant H.M. Rice told reporters, quote, We speculate that she died on somebody, and they just got scared and put her in the trunk. It's not going to be classified as a murder, because we have no idea who put her in there. End quote. You may also remember that the death certificate issued by Dallas County said that the cause and manner of death were, quote, pending autopsy and toxicology results. And further, you probably recall that in 2020, Katrina Marshall requested those records and found that her aunt's body was tested for drugs and none were present. Thank you for reopening Katrina Mowry's case 
and for reclassifying it as a homicide, we look forward to what will be done next to make up for the 38 years that Katrina's murder was not investigated. I first asked today's guests this question. What was your expectation on how Dallas PD would handle your loved one's investigation? You'll hear Katrina's response, followed by Robin's. I wouldn't go in with guarantees or expecting any type of resolution, especially not right away. I just would expect some effort or some compassion. You know, some communication would be cool too. I think, honestly, the fact that I went into it having any expectation in the first place was problem number one, because I feel like the expectation for them to do something almost just casted this huge doubt or disillusion in regard to my trust or faith in law enforcement as a whole overall, like anywhere. Like I never thought I would be one of those people that, you know, don't like the police and I'm not even a criminal. Well, I'll, I'll echo what uh, Katrina said about the compassion communication and, and I'll even uh, add respect to it because Armani's mom wasn't given that respect. And the reason I say that is because when Armani's purse was located underneath the tree where a few of his real bones and one of the long bones uh, was discovered, there was a phone number in that purse. And it had this young lady's name on it uh, by the name of Brittany. So the detectives called that phone number and reached out to that young lady. And she was one of the two women that actually were the last two people to see Armani alive on June the 3rd. Because after his altercation with two of the three perpetrators, Armani sought solace with this young lady and her sister because they lived in the same apartment complex where Armani and his mother lived. And so once the contact was made with this young lady, she informed the initial homicide detective that she knew Armani and she provided Armani this phone number the same day that he, he suddenly disappeared. And at this point, she described what Armani was last, what he was wearing when he was last seen. And all of this information came together at that point. By the time they put the dots together, someone should have had sense enough to reach out to Armani's mom and my daughter because she was the one that made the initial missing person report. And at this point could have said, well, what was he last wearing? And at this point say, well, we found some things we just need to verify and see if this is your loved one. That wasn't even done. So that's where the respect, the disrespect comes in for me. That's what I would have expected from me. And just a just basic, follow basic homicide investigation standards. Both Katrina and Robin feel that there was bias on the part of the investigators. Armani Morgan, who identified as a gay male, was black and living in an impoverished area. Katrina Mowry was reportedly socializing with known drug users. Nobody wants to believe that being an imperfect human in life leads to a disregard by law enforcement in death. Here's Katrina Marshall. I don't necessarily care for their judgment, whether they admit to having it or not. I've heard a lot of rumors, like a stereotypical, oh, you know, we heard she was into some bad dealings or wrongdoings. I don't care if she was the biggest drug addict in the world. I don't care if she was sleeping with every guy in Dallas. That makes no difference to me. She's still a human. And I expect 
mutual respect in that regard. Like, it, I don't really think that has anything to do either way with someone's life not mattering or I don't think it's an excuse for someone to be murdered. And that judgment, you know, they try to pretend like it's not there, but it's there. And I feel it in my gut every single time I talk to one of them and I don't like it. But of course, I try to remain somewhat professional. And and it's a mutual respect thing. I mean, I do want them to help me. But at this point, I've just had my trust betrayed so much when they mm-hmm. speak to people and think they're better than everyone and put themselves on a pedestal or give me excuses for why they haven't done this or why they can't do this or the reasons why we couldn't do this yet, but now we can. Yes. Like, I I don't really care. Like, it's been 40 years. There's no way in hell there, it takes 40 years of excuses to do something. In 2019, an article was published in Texas Monthly that highlighted social media content that was posted by law enforcement officers from various parts of the United States. Through the Plain View Project, implemented by Emily Baker White, a Philadelphia-based lawyer, 2,900 social media accounts of officers from eight departments and from roughly 600 retired officers were combed through. Geographically, the sampling was taken from officers located in Phoenix, Philadelphia, Dallas, and Denison, Texas, among other U.S. cities. The most troubling posts found in this examination were published and included racist memes, disparaging comments about Muslims and women, and posts that promoted violence against lawbreakers. One meme posted by a now former Dallas police officer in 2017 shows a female dispatcher sitting at a desk with the image's text reading, quote, I'm sorry, sir, but I see that on July 9th you posted, and I quote, F*** the police on social media. We will not be able to assist you during your emergency. Best of luck to you, sir. I was unable to find if this post was what led to that officer now working in real estate. Perhaps it did. Perhaps there were other reasons he retired from law enforcement the following year that this article was published, like the time that he posted an article on Facebook about a woman who shot an intruder in her home. This Dallas PD officer, seemingly mocking those who support gun control, said, quote, The gun is bad. She should have let the scum ravage her and her children. Another Dallas officer, a senior corporal at the time, posted a meme in 2017. It was an image of a police officer spraying tear gas from a can at a woman in the street, with the text reading, quote, participation trophies now in liquid form. That same officer posted memes that encouraged the use of vehicles as a means to stop protesters in the streets. And the amount of memes posted by Dallas officers showing non-white men bruised and swollen after being beaten by the police paints a disturbing picture of how police brutality is viewed by those in blue. It raises the question, what does to serve and protect mean? And further, how are law enforcement officers held accountable? For civilians, offensive social media posts can cost them their jobs. To be clear, Robin and Katrina are not asking for perfection. They're not asking for law enforcement to be infallible but they are asking for courtesy and respect. Here they discuss some of the mistakes they feel have been made over the years while they've sought answers on their loved ones' deaths. 
based on the police report, I don't think I could even realistically call them mistakes anymore. Mistakes are not intended to be harmful. And I don't think that in this instance, it was a mistake. It was malfeasance, negligence, judgment, carelessness, just misconduct. And I, I give them the benefit of the doubt. They probably had a lot of cases. They were probably overwhelmed. They had too much on their plate to handle. I understand. But you can't just sweep it under the rug and never even come back to it. That's just not how it works. It's going to come back full circle one way or the other, even if it's 40 years later. I would say for me, the mistakes that they made, not caring enough. Put yourself in someone else's shoes. If this was your loved one, you would want someone to do anything and everything to do a proper investigation and then let it span out from that point. You know, empathy, empathy. Yes, yes. And the mistake that they made, judgment, that judgment, that personal opinion got in the way of doing their job prior arrest history should have never come into play when you're investigating how this person was actually murdered. Let the evidence speak for itself. They failed to perform that that proper death notification. That's that's disrespectful. And and this was this is Armani's mom, my sister's son and only child. You know, she should have been the first person that they call. Just forget about my daughter being the one that report him missing. Contact the person back that actually made the missing person report to to see if they know how to contact the mother. The mistake that they made, they, they failed to, to properly handle his crime scene. No evidence markers. And then when you do collect the few remains of his that that were visible to collect, then you throw them onto a blue tarp as though you are out collecting trash from the roadside. And, and that's contaminating evidence when you're not keeping everything separate. And had I not viewed it with my own two eyes, I wouldn't know it in, to even be disgusted by it. And, it. and it was the reason why I was able to see it. They, they failed to properly gather and preserve evidence. Six years later, nothing that was collected from his crime scene has been sent to the forensic lab for testing. And then there are the mistakes made that failed to protect Robin's nephew, Armani. One of the other mistakes that they made too, Don, with Armani's homicide investigation, three days before Armani suddenly disappeared, he was shot at while inside his home. They failed to investigate that. Had they investigated that, I'm quite sure Amani will still be alive today. They never put any effort into finding out, investigating the shooter who actually shot into the apartment. Just didn't care about it. And when I bring it up, all the statute of limitations has expired. There's nothing we can do about it. And for two years straight, I asked the initial homicide detective, what is the status on the gun bullet? Oh, there was never a gun bullet collected. All the time I had photos of the gun bullet while he's constantly lying to my face. I'll look into it after, you know, I continue to ask about it. I'll look into it. That look into it never happened. Days before Armani went missing, he was at home with his mother when a bullet pierced through the living room window. The police were called and the evidence was collected, but Robin says nothing else was looked into. The Dallas police reports do show a bullet taken into evidence. Still... Robin was repeatedly told that there was no bullet collected, and eventually, when she proved that there was a bullet in evidence, 
She was told there was a two-year statute of limitations on the crime. With survivors, another common concern is that the constant turnover of personnel leads to frustration. What I know now is, is for them to take time to make effective investigative notes. So in the event they are removed from the case or no longer at the department, somebody can pick up where they left off and have some intelligent notes to follow. The sad part about it is midway through the second year into his investigation, I spoke with one of the higher-ups or one of the supervisory officers, and I asked him about the note. The initial homicide detective had no notes anywhere. So he just jotted things down because he was asked about it a year and a half, almost two years later. That's not surprising whatsoever, unfortunately. It's sad. It's sad. But that, that's what I would have expected out of the gate, Don, you know. But like I said, knowing what I know now is unethical, it's unprofessional, it's disheartening, and I could go on and on. And it needs to be a sit down with this chief and whoever else is in charge of the homicide department, they change supervisors in this department like somebody changed you. We've all most likely been in those situations where we're calling a business to handle a home repair or to get a refund on something, and we're passed around to different representatives and have to provide the same information over and over. It's frustrating. Often when a family member is following up with law enforcement, they find themselves having to repeat the same information time after time. Robin became Armani's representative due to the overwhelming grief that her sister, Armani's mother, was and still is living with daily. Also, what I want people to know, too, Dawn, is that Katrina Myrie, her life matters. Armani's life matters. And when that homicide supervisor told me that day in that meeting that you've been running around and speaking with everybody everywhere, but they don't run this department. I do. And DPD has wasted enough money on our money. And at that point, it was I, I was just ready to blow a gasket. You know, mm-hmm. I was just so angry. Tears just started rolling down my face. At that point, I grabbed my briefcase and I left the room. I asked both Robin and Katrina if there's anything else they would like for people to know, particularly other advocates who are fighting for justice. I think there's one really relevant fact here that is what resonated with me initially whenever Robin and I got acquainted with each other really well. And it's that neither of us had ever even spoken at this point to each other, yet we had both at one point filed a complaint against the same exact investigating detective officer, whatever he is, at the same time, during the same time frame, really close together, for the same exact reason, Mm. and just the patronizing comments or demeanor or condescending tones two years later, after the fact that we had filed those, to me was just mind-blowing and almost like it confirmed that I wasn't like the only one. Cause at first I'm like, maybe my expectations are just way too high. Maybe I'm not being realistic. Maybe I just started making all these excuses in my head. Like what would anyone else be doing at this point? Maybe it's just me, <laughs> but it's not. There's, there's obviously something 
that can be done better somehow. I just confirmed what I already knew. Mm -hmm. What I want people to know is to never give up. Keep pushing, you know, at all costs. When you get tired, in those days come, trust and believe, but but just never give up because take a break yeah just take a couple days off from it and get your mind somewhere else rejuvenate your mind yeah that's that's true because believe it or not uh there's someone else just like you in the same position trying to figure out what do i do next or what can i do that that can be uh effective but but one thing is for certain and two things are for sure keep fighting and and that help will come. You never know when and you never know how. I'm just blessed to come in contact with Don. I'm blessed to come in contact with Katrina. And these two women are warriors. If, if I didn't know you guys, I would be afraid to be in the wrong position or doing the wrong things. The wealth of knowledge that you two women have, you have taught me something and I'm constantly reading and researching and looking for the next thing that's going to help me gain attention, additional attention to Armani's case. But I have learned a lot from both of you. And, and I'm, I'm truly grateful. I'm, I'm grateful. And thank you, Don, for introducing me to Katrina. When it's just, it, it, it's just, it's eerie how Katrina's aunt's case mirrors Armani's. And, and like Katrina said, 40 years later, here we are with the same thing. So that means that DPD homicide doesn't put any value in what they do because you're doing the same thing that the department was doing 40 years ago. All of this said, Katrina Marshall insists she's not anti-police. I'll give credit where it's due. I, I do feel like there are some really, really good officers and investigators and detectives that work really hard. And I, I feel bad for them because their hard work does get overshadowed by so much wrongdoing. And right. it's really unfortunate for them. And it's probably very hard for them to stay working within law enforcement that way. Whenever there's all that you know negativity or a bad outcome, they're probably afraid to even arrest someone at this point. I mean, I could imagine if it were me, I would be because you never know what's going to go wrong. Who's going to file a lawsuit? It's gotten so bad that it's just a double-edged sword. Robin wanted to share a quote said by Janet Reno, the first female United States Attorney General. Actions at the outset of an investigation at a crime scene can play a pivotal role in the resolution of a case. Careful, thorough investigation is key to ensure that potential physical evidence is not tainted destroyed, or a potential witness is overlooked. Dallas PD, if you've made it this far, thank you for listening. To stay up to date on Armani Morgan's and Katrina Mowry's unsolved cases, check the show notes for more information. Thank you to Robin Johnson and Katrina Mowry. And thank you for listening to this episode of Method and Madness. If you haven't already, please leave a rating or review, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. To connect, I'm on X at Method Pod and on Instagram at Method and Madness Pod. To chat, suggest a case, or discuss the episode, you can reach out to me at Method and Madness Pod at gmail.com. 
Method of Madness is researched, written, and hosted by me. Sound editing is by Moen Spo. That's it for this week. Until next time, take care of yourself. For crisis support, text hello to 741-741.